You may be familiar with Joyce Pring, the television presenter, the podcast host, the speaker, and the philanthropist. She's added wife to her list of titles too, and recently she announced that she'll be adding mom to that list as well. Joyce talks to us about new chapters in her life, marriage, pregnancy, and motherhood, and old chapters as well, such as growing up in Tondo and dealing with mental health issues. My name is Leah Cruz. On this episode of What Glass Ceiling, we talk to Joyce Spring Trevino. Hi, Joyce. Welcome to What Glass Ceiling. Hello, Leah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, actually, you made a little announcement a few weeks ago regarding your family. It was a big announcement, and <laughs> congratulations are in order. So, congratulations. Tell us about being an expectant first-time mom. Oh my goodness, yes. That little announcement that we made on our wedding anniversary was probably the biggest secret I have ever had to keep from a lot of people. And it was just, it's been crazy, you know. Um, it's one of those things that I'm really so excited about, but also has been giving me so much anxiety just because it's yeah. such untethered territory. You know, you've never been, I've never been a mom. You've never actually seen anybody, like people can keep telling you about being a mom, but you can never actually figure out, figure it out until you become one. So it's been crazy, but I'm really, really grateful because my husband's very caring. His personality is very um, nurturing, ganyan maalaga. So it's it's been easier because of that, you know, to have a partner who's like that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Now, tell me what's going through your head because as you mentioned, um, getting ready for motherhood is not something anyone can ever prepare for really yeah so the first trimester was just a lot of paranoia to be honest because <laughs> i found that i was pregnant super early on like probably five weeks or six weeks pregnant and mm-hmm. you know when i found out syempre, i being the overthinking th- thinker that i am i went through all of the apps kaagad, all of the books all of the articles that i could find like even at the thought of me because we were trying already so parang um when i missed my period i was kind of like oh my goodness maybe i'm pregnant na so talagang that day pa I, I, we told the story in one of our videos online and we said now we had to take a pt in a coffee shop because we were going out with friends and with two friends and we were going to have wine dapat you know parang we were setting them up to sabi ko magpipiti ako just to see if i were pregnant so i won't have wine you know so i was super paranoid na and everything i avoided everything i avoided coffee kagad japanese food all of these things cheese because like soft cheese i had to google all the time like cheese whiz is that pwede is that <laughs> like it's crazy the kind of paranoia that you go through, especially because people always tell you that, you know, the first few weeks of being pregnant are just delicate. It's fragile. It's a fragile time for your fetus, for your baby. So I really had that going through my mind. But then eventually, you know, it was just, I, I, I often tell this to my friends that the whole pregnancy journey for me was just really one milestone, one OB visit after another and really figuring out, okay, what do I need to do at this point of my pregnancy? You know, so after when, when we found out that I was pregnant, the first thing that I thought about was, okay, we need to confirm this pregnancy because I don't trust just the PT. So I had to really see if the baby was there. And then after that, yung titignan naman natin if it has a heartbeat, you know, and you know, it, I just, it has been such an emotional and exhilarating ride, but it's also been one of the most blessed experiences that I've ever had because 
pregnancy and motherhood needs a lot of you, but it also requires a lot of you to take the the control off. Parang kailangan mong mag-off ng control and just accept and surrender that not everything is under your control and you can literally do everything that you can to make sure that you're healthy and that your baby is healthy and things could still go, go south. And for someone who had anxiety, that was something that I had to grapple with majority until now, you know, so. Do you mind if I ask you what trimester you're in? Not at all. I am in the tail end of my second trimester. So I'm six months Ooh. pregnant. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so by now you're, you're really fully into it and, and mm-hmm. it's, it's probably hitting you that, hey, this is gonna be happening sooner rather than later. <laughs> But at the same time, you you did mention that there's so many questions going through your head and and you have to relinquish control because a lot of it is out of your control now. What are the questions that, that you ask yourself as someone who has anxiety? The questions that I ask myself? My goodness, so many. Well, I have to constantly ask myself, well, one, I actually have to tell myself and teach myself to enjoy the journey. You know, one of the things that people don't tell you when they have anxiety is most of the things that you do, instead of it being exciting and, you know, adventurous, it becomes scary. And now I'm trying to tell myself and ask myself questions and 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 prep myself up so that I'll enjoy this journey more than it scares me. You know, I'm telling myself, hey, you have to record this journey. So I haven't been taking baby bump photos. I'm like, I should be doing that. Right. But I only started when I um, was 18 weeks pregnant. And then, you know, I started a journal already. I, as someone who was, who's in TV, people would expect me to do a vlog about it. You have to do a video series of the whole, of the whole experience. I haven't even done that because I was trying to take care of and console myself the whole first trimester. So now I'm just really Asking myself the kind of questions, okay, what am I doing to prepare myself for this baby, right? What am I doing to prepare myself for this new chapter and this incredibly different life that I'm about to face with having a child? in our household, in our family? Um, What am I doing to prepare my marriage for it? Because Wancha and I have only been married for a year and I am... I recently read this book, Baby and Baby Makes Three. I forgot who the author was, but it talks about how a baby changes your marriage. You know, it changes your intimacy, it changes your communication, it changes your time together, it changes all the dynamics. And all of our friends also told us that once you have a baby, it changes everything, even your marriage, even the most intimate parts of who you are and of your marriage that you think you have covered because you love this person, you're in love with this person, you married this person, and you both wanted the baby. Even those things could be easily trampled down if you're not prepared for it. So I ask myself these questions, but then I also ask myself the silly questions of, okay, what are we going to name this baby? I can't give him a pangit name because in the future, like what is the baby's, uh, what do you call this? The, the, the nickname going to be like, am I going to use a super fancy full name? Tapos yung nickname niya parang, Jojo lang or something or something. But it's coming Janie Wancha. So silly things. And, you know, it's, it's, I, I don't know. It's just been, it's been a crazy journey. I haven't actually done a conversation like this on a podcast. So this is new. Like I'm 
just exploring, oh nga, no, what have I been asking myself? So hopefully that answers your question. <laughs> because the thing is, um, becoming a mother is not something that every single woman wants. But for the ones mm-hmm. who do go through it, it's an incredible rite of passage. And it's especially the first one. It's like a complete change of lifestyle, of of your body, of personality mm-hmm. also, of priorities. It's like a complete revamp of your life. So it's a very emotional period. I mean, apart from all the physical changes and the, the mental good. preparations, it's an incredible emotional journey as well. And I would like to know, as someone who has anxiety and who has openly talked about it, how are you dealing with the anxiety that this new journey is bringing you? Because even those who say, are not diagnosed with having, like, say, clinical anxiety. It's an incredibly anxious period. And, and how, do you, yeah. how do you keep yourself sane through it? Um, I have my therapist. So I have been, you know, I think the first few months of the pregnancy, I was really just, I was trying to brush everything off. You know, I, w- I would just say, it'll get better. You know, maybe when I hear the heartbeat, it'll get better. When I find out the gender, it'll get better. When it becomes sure, when I get the congenital exam, you know, showing you that the baby's actually developing the way that it should be, it'll get better. But I found, I realized that it won't because it's not about the baby. It's about me and my mental health. It's about me and my capability to deal with this big shift of life that's happening in my marriage. And I just, I went back to my therapist, you know, and, and it's great because she actually openly talks about, um, the trauma that she's gone through, even with losing her firstborn son. And she would tell me all of the anxieties that, that, that she had gone through and all of the trauma that she had to deal with and having someone who's like that, you know, someone who was open enough to talk about her anxieties and her trauma helps me really deal with mine as well. And it, it's funny because dealing with your anxieties, especially with pregnancy, has a lot to do with dealing with childhood trauma that you probably have never discussed before. And one of the things that my therapist told me is that this baby is going to trigger you in so many ways. And so it's good that you're talking about it in therapy now because if not, it will happen when the baby arrives. And we don't want that. You know, as much as we can, we'll try to prevent that. So I have my therapist with me. Of course, my faith is such a huge part of it. A lot of people know that I'm a Christian. And one of the things that have dwindled down because of the pandemic was me going to church activities and seeing people who believe the same things that I do and having that network of people who connect with me and who can encourage me through everything um, in a biblical perspective. And so now, literally, if you see my schedule, it's a lot of work, but it's also a lot of women's group. So like, I have Mondays with uh, one of my girlfriends. Um, She's single, but we we just, she's like my prayer partner. And then on Tuesdays, I have my therapist. And then on Wednesdays, I have an all women's married group where I just kind of connect with people. And that's the thing that I think we don't really get to talk a lot about when it comes to pregnancy because when it comes to your pregnancy, you always talk about your personal experience and then your spouse, right? Or or your partner, the person that you're with and your family. But a lot of people need to know that it's okay and it's so important to find networks of people that you can re- relate to, other moms that could help you out and even seek counseling. If you've never seeked therapy before or counseling, this is the time for you to do that because you can actually start processing things that you never thought needed to be processed 
before the baby arrives. So, yeah. So, I'd like to circle back to what you said about dealing with impending parenthood will bring up a lot of possible trauma that you've had in your childhood. So let's go back to your childhood. You have this incredibly outgoing, exuberant image and and you give off all these happy vibes and people know about it. And honestly, I think some people or most people even are surprised to hear about your story growing up. So can you tell us about that? Can you tell us what your childhood was like? So yeah, my childhood was uh, very interesting and I feel like I feel like I've been constantly talking about this recently that I've been doing a lot of work with World Vision and one of the things that I would constantly talk about this is the importance of education because I didn't grow up in an affluent background. My family was very poor. I grew up in Tondo, Manila, you know, grew up in a public school system, went to a science school, science high school in high school and then a public school again for college and a lot of people think that and make the assumption that I come from a family that has a lot of money because of the work that I do or the way that I carry myself or that I traveled a lot. But that's actually the whole opposite of it. I just happened to be working very early on. Like I was literally working since I've been literally working since I was 17. While I was in UP, I was working for an offshore BPO company um, as a copywriter. I would work from 12 midnight to 9 a.m. and then go straight to AS para sa first class ko. I grew up in Tondo and I didn't know how to speak the English language until I was, what, seven or eight years old. I didn't know how to read at that time. And I think the reason why I started to, and I talked about this recently in one of the interviews that I did for a podcast as well, I said that I, I, I've been talking about my story more and more because a couple of years ago, I saw someone, uh, uh, a troll commented on my Instagram saying, na, Oh, ano ka daw, social climber ka daw no high school. And I, I was kind of hurt. Okay, social climber nga ba ako no high school? Tapos na-realize ko, you know what? Probably. I was probably a social climber in the sense that I was lying to my friends about my life. Because when you're in high school and all of your friends have a good life, you know, all of them go to vacations, whether that was out of town or out of country. All of them had nice phones. They had the Motorola Razors at that time. And I was this kid that just, I would lie to my friends and say, yeah, oh, we went to the States also. We also went to that vacation. Ganyan. Tapos marunong pa ako mag-English kasi syempre natuto ako mag-English by reading a lot of books and listening to a lot of music and watching movies and reading a lot of books out loud so I could hear myself and correct any of the twangs that I didn't want. And so they would believe that. And I would lie to people because I felt like as a high school girl, I didn't have any value because I didn't have what my friends had. I barely had any money. I would walk literally. I would ride a tricycle and walk maybe three kilometers every day just to get to school. And even with my mom, she had a difficulty when when I started talking about this, when I started talking about the background that I come from. And if I don't tell people, especially kids who probably come from the same background as I do, mga batang tundo dyan na walang pera, or yung mga high school students na nagpe-pretend like they have money just so they feel valuable. If I don't tell my story and tell them that, hey, it's okay. You don't have to start lying about who you are and where you come from and the circumstances that you were born into because you could actually make a better future for yourself if you learn to work hard, be kind to others. You don't have to start lying about those things, you know? And 
I think for the longest time also, I, I, I thought that was that. You have intrinsic value. It does not matter where you come from, what circumstances you were born into, or even if you don't have money, you know, or even if you don't become successful, you are valuable just because you are existing. And if you don't realize that, nobody will be able to, to give that to you. That kind of self-value will not be given to you by anybody else but you. So, Tondo Girl, living it out now in Silang Cavite. <laughs> <laughs> Those are incredible points that you made and beautiful advice, really, for anyone. I'm sure that you will pass on all of that to your children, like whether it's this baby or any other future kids that you have. But if you have a daughter, what would you tell her? Like if you had to give her one piece of advice based on your own childhood background and and all of these experiences that you've been through, what would you want her to learn? What wisdom would you want to impart to her? Oh my goodness, the value of education, the importance of staying humble, and also in thinking beyond the box and looking beyond the things that you were born into and that you were given. I think, you know, one of the biggest chip on my shoulders when I was growing up, I actually lost my uh, biological father when I was like two years old. So he died two two years old. But then I have a stepdad. And from the family that I have, literally the beautiful women, I have beautiful women in my life, you know, beautiful women who are talented, very, very smart. But because we come from a poor family, the classic Pinoy, and I wouldn't say just Pinoy, but it's, I'm guessing it's Pinoy because I've heard a lot of friends also with the same background who've heard this. When you're pretty, it's always, oh, mag-asawa ka ng mayaman. Laging ganon. So, I, diba, I would often hear that, like, oh, mag-asawa ka ng mayaman kasi maganda ka, diba, magaling ka kumanta, pwede ganun yung gawin mo. And my stepdad and my mom really changed my mindset. They said, hindi, hindi mo kailangan mag-asawa ng mayaman kasi kaya mong maging mayaman, kaya mong maging successful. It's not, and and they were saying, you know, being rich is not the most important thing in the world, but having your dignity intact and your integrity intact and knowing that you are capable of doing and becoming more. And I want my son and my daughter to really grow up in a, in a, in a household where they could actually be proud of who they are, you know, and, and be proud of the background that both mom and dad come from, very humble, simple backgrounds and, and see that there are a lot of opportunities out there in the world. And, to have a sense of purpose in that they seek excellence, not because we require it of them, but because by being excellent, they have the capability to help more people and inspire more people. And I think that's that's what I would want them to learn from, from my childhood, from my, my experiences as well. I have to ask, because a lot of how the world is obviously half half the reason why women are treated the way that we are is because of the men. I mean, they they sort of set the standards and, and run the patriarchy and what have you. But if you had a son, on the other hand, what would you teach him also to, to make this world a better place, not just for you or his sister or any other or any other female relatives that he may have, but also for all the females out there? 
many things really. But I guess the first thing would be look to your dad because your dad's a pretty awesome guy. <laughs> I always say that. I'm, I'm very proud of my husband. And every time I think about the kind of man that he is, the kind of person that he is, the kind of pursuer that he is, it, it just makes my heart so happy. You know, once you grew up with three sisters and a very strong, a strongly opinionated, super talented, smart girls, three sisters, and his mom is the same. And of course, the dad is as well. And I'm just very proud of the way that he is. And I'd love to, if my if we ever have a son, you know, I'd love for him to be look to to look at his dad and see that that's the kind of man that you should be. Someone who is hardworking, someone who knows the value and the importance and the immeasurable worth of women in our society, in our communities, in our families, someone who respect women. I want that that our son will realize that he has his own place in the world, but he also has he, he has to also respect the place of women in this world, you know, and give credit where credit is due and see that there's there's equality in value, you know, that we are both made in the image of God, that there's beauty in what we both could offer. And that I, I I always say this, I would want my son to be able to take care of women, to take care of his sister, of me, of the other women in his life, and of any woman that he comes across, you know, to to be respectful and, and to actually take care of them in the way that a man should. And my expectations of a man, which I think was really set by my stepdad, by my brother, and also now by my husband. So It's something else also to be a man in this world because... There's there are the expectations that society sets for you, and then there are the values that you hold dear, and you have to reconcile that also. So yeah. that, that's a I guess that's a different sort of journey that men are on as well. What kind of mom do you think you'll be? What what parenting style are you looking at? I'm gonna be a cool mom. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I you know what? I've been having this conversation with my mom, and I said. I'm going to be the disciplinarian. I really think I'm going to be the disciplinarian. And my mom's goes like, no, you're not. You're like, you love kids. <laughs> you're going to spoil that kid so much. And you know what? I think I will. I really, I think in general, I'm a very chill person. Like you could ask Wancho this. I'm super chill. If you don't need to worry about it, I'll try not to worry about it. Because my disposition is already worrier, right? I'm already an anxious person. So if you... It require me pa to worry about certain things that I could just chill about. I just, I don't want that. I, I really don't want that. But one of the things that, I don't know if you saw this on Facebook recently. Um, I met a meme that shows like Kumon and then um, dance class and that piano lessons. You mga all 90s kids would relate. Kanyan. And I wanted to repost like all 90s kids who had money growing up probably could relate. Because <laughs> I never had that. Or yung sports, may ganasil, may Milo best sila. I never had mm-hmm. that. So, you know what? I want my, my, my baby to be able to do those things. I want them to live a very, very happy, chill, and adventurous lifestyle. I want them to try things. I don't want to... I want to be aware of the dreams that I once had, which, for example, is becoming a doctor or becoming a dancer. And I want to make sure that I'm not imposing that dream on my child. I want my child to be able to figure out 
what he or she wants out of this world, you know? Do you want to be sporty? Great. Do you want to be musically inclined? Great. Do you want to be a nerd? Go go on and be a nerd. Whatever you want, I'll support that. And I think one of the most important things that my husband and I really talked about before we got married is that we have the same values. You know, we want to raise uh, our child in a Christian household. We want to raise our child who's family oriented. We want to raise a child who's just curious and inquisitive. And I want to be that kind of parent. God willing, I'll be that kind of parent, but we'll see because my, my husband is also very, 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 I won't, I won't say childish, Child at heart na lang. <laughs> <laughs> he knows how to have fun. So I don't know who's going to be the disciplinarian between the two of us. Like, uh, what are we going to do? We can't even resist our two dogs, Leah. <sighs> Figure it out. One of you has to give it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's interesting to me that you, you brought up this disparity in like opportunities that are available for different kinds of children depending on what backgrounds they come from. So yeah, we're here, we're on a podcast, we're talking about, you know, empowering women and and aiding women through their journeys in life. But really, and, and I'm sure you've seen this because of your childhood, you get on the streets and that's not really the reality there. I mean, nobody's talking about women empowerment in the way that we're talking about it now. They're, how do you reconcile that gap? How do you how do you make it make sense in your head? I mean, it's unfair. It's it's sad. It, I have to do something about it. What what do you think about it? I mean, I, I think it's the number one reason why we try our best to excel in our fields, right? Well, at least now in, in our specific field of communication and broadcasting, you now have a platform wherein you can bring light to these kinds of issues, these kinds of disparities that women and children face everywhere. And I think... You know, you could you could be angry, right? You could be angry that the system is like this, that there's a hierarchical way of life where some people have it better than others. You could, right? But you could also see and look at yourself, well, we're one of those privileged ones. Are you going to get mad at the privileged ones when you've become a privileged one? Um, or do you use it as a way for you to make things better for those who might not have it as good as you? I know that not everyone who comes from the same background as I do have the same opportunities. Honestly, I look at my cousins and a lot of people from my family who still live the same kind of life. I still have family who don't have the same kind of opportunities, who still struggle with getting jobs, who still struggle to make it just day by day even. Um, and I, I see the difference in, in that I had a stepdad who stepped in and showed me that, hey, there's a different kind of world that you could be living and we're going to make when we're going to work hard to make sure that that's the kind of reality that you'll be living. And I look at that and I see, okay, what can I do then that that would help other people, other women, the same way that my dad did for me? And so that's why I constantly advocate for World Vision Philippines, you know, for the education of kids, because I think that education is the answer to poverty. If you educate children and tell them that they could be become better, they could become someone more, that there is a world of possibilities out there. You know, one of the main issues that we have now with with world vision the reason why some parents in rural areas and in poor communities don't let their kids go through school is because instead of them going through school papagtrabahuhin na lang nila yung bata 
So they'll work in the farms instead. Because why would you, and, and you know, to them that makes sense. Like, instead na magutom yung anak ko, pakakakaaral dyan, di ba? Papagtrabahuhin ko na lang sa farm. Kahit six or seven years old yan, at least until mga 17 siya, he's strong, he could work. And that's the kind of thinking that we're trying to break, you know? And even for women with different opportunities, because they can only see that kind of reality, right? That's the only reality that they know. Or it's distorted in the sense na social media naman distorts reality with this incredibly high standard of living of all of the celebrities, of all of the influencers that we may or may not sometimes be a part of, of this hyper-consumerism and capitalism that we live in and, and thrive in, honestly. And they would see their lives and they'd be like, okay, I can't be that. I can't be a beautiful celebrity influencer, whatever, and live that kind of life. Maybe this is all I can be, right? So for me, the work that we need to do now is to constantly pull our efforts to make sure that we 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 educate more people. We educate more women. We educate more children about the possibilities and the capabilities that they have. And at the same time, give whatever you can in your efforts and your money, in in your work. I started my podcast, Adulting with Joy Spring, because I wanted substantial conversations because I felt like young people were only talking about skin deep things. We were only talking about skin routines and nice bags and house tours. And there's nothing bad about those things. But I wanted to have deeper conversations like, how's your mental health? What's your relationship like? How are you dealing with those difficult co-workers of yours? Because if you don't talk about those things, the society that we live in will constantly mangle our idea of what culture is. And we'll look at the culture and be like, ah, so... Because I asked my my niece, my 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 nine year old niece, a couple of years ago, uh, two years ago, and I asked her, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And Leah, when we were growing up, we'd be like, "We want to be a doctor. You want to be a teacher, right?" And my niece just said, "I want to be famous. I want to be a, a makeup blogger." And you know, I told her, "It's okay, in the man, if you want to be a makeup blogger or you want to be famous, but you have to do work that's actually." of service to others also because now you have a better life than we led when when you when my mom when your mom and me were growing up so i think that's really it right that's that's all we could really do um it's it's hard because there's always there's always that hierarchy of things and people and you can't say that you hate the hierarchy because you're part of the hierarchy and you're part of the reason, your life is one of the reasons why it keeps churning. And, you know, we, we can't also think about this utopian world where everybody gets the same equal things because we've seen that in different countries, Russia, China, it doesn't work. It, it actually impedes on the rights of people, on the rights of people to become excellent. So what do you do then? How do you bridge the gap? Bridging the gap means that if you are that type of person that was born with a certain amount of skill set to become excellent, if you are, you know, there's a research that says that if you're prettier, you actually have more in life. Like people are more likely to hire you. So we could have the same skill set, but if you were born prettier, which by the way, is not your fault, 
more people will hire you. So what do you do with that? Do you mangle your face and tell your face and tell yourself that I'm going to make myself ugly so that I could have some sort of equity with others? No, of course not. You use that advantage to help other people and bring them up. And I think that's the important role that we have now. Now that we are the generation that has this kind of technology, right? The technology that could bring one idea from the Philippines and bring it to different corners of the world or even different corners of households, other households in the Philippines. So definitely those are great points to make, really. Now, I noticed that this whole conversation, you've referenced your husband quite fondly and and you seem like you have a real partnership with him and and, you know, he got your back, you got his back. That's the kind of vibe I'm getting from everything that you've said about your husband. But, you know, being married like for a year now, was there an adjustment period of having to acknowledge the fact that, hey, I'm in a partnership now. I'm in a relationship that requires a lot of adjusting and compromise. Uh, Leah, you're married. So you know the answer to that question. <laughs> yes, of course. Oh my goodness. No matter how awesome your husband is, there will be a point in time where you're just like, I told my friends this, I have never contemplated murder my whole life. Ever. Like, never could I contemplate that. But when I got married, I was just like, it's funny because I know it's true. Exactly. Right? It's so true. It does not matter if your husband is, and my husband is is pretty up there. Like he is a really great guy. Funny, handsome, smart, really kind. He's he's the best. That's why I, I often tell stories about him because you know now I I really do feel like we're one. All the experiences that I have, I have with him, but there really have been times where I'm just like, kailangan ko magpray. Mapapatay ko talaga to. Ang sama-sama ng loob ko sa It happens, you know. So imagine being newly married. We haven't even unboxed our stuff in our new apartment. We have a dog. And we lost our jobs. Like, we lost our TV show because no one was doing TV, diba? We didn't have a job for, like, maybe four months. And then you're newly married. You're making all these adjustments. And we never lived in before we got married. So we never had that experience of actually being together under one household. It was crazy. Like, things were constantly flying around the house. There was, at some point, we had a huge argument and it was locked down. And walk out ako, I got my pillow and I got my bag and then my laptop. And he was like, Saka pupunta? Sa kotse ako matutulog. Because <laughs> I had nowhere else to go. So I would sleep in the car. Sabi ko, matutulog ako sa car. <laughs> She's like, the same. Kasi lockdown, wala akong mapupuntahan. Wala akong mapupuntahan. And we lived in like a one-bedroom loft. So parang, Anong gusto mo, di ba? Inis na inis ako sa kanya. I wanted to walk out. I wanted to make a grand walk out. But then when I heard myself say that, sa kotse ako matutulog, it was just ridiculous. And and we also went through counseling, you know? We went through our first couples counseling during the lockdown. And to be honest, Leah, there was a lot of shame in that. We said na, I can't believe that six months or five months into the marriage, we're already going to counseling. And we had to let go of that ego and that pride in our head saying that, oh, we're not going to go to counseling because nothing is wrong with our marriage. 
we had to be honest with ourselves that there's nothing wrong with our marriage, but we were both struggling with adjusting to each other. And mind you, we already had premarital counseling. Like we went through three months of premarital counseling in our church where we talked about the important things like what are your values? Do you want to have kids? When do you want to have kids? You know, all of the big things, you mga exes mo, meron ka pa bang mga whatever, pent-up things that you want to talk about, finances. And yet we still struggled so much, so much talaga. But as with any marriage, you know, magugulat ka talaga with how capable you are of forgiving someone when you're in a marriage. Like, I have never, and it's the same with my husband, I have never seen so much grace given to me until I got married. That I have messed up so many times. I have said so many things that I regret. I have hurt him in so many ways. And yet, he loves me and treats me as if it's day one every single day. And I think... That's what marriage is all about. You know, it's really coming to terms with the difficulty of being with someone and partnering with someone for the rest of your life. And then also learning how to love and forgive in such a way that you just forget about the bad days and you look at it as it's funny, you know, I once thought I could literally kill this guy because of how much I hated him at that moment. It's funny because I could, I, I was talking about this in my post when I celebrated, when we celebrated their first year of marriage. I said, there were moments when I felt like I rushed. We rushed because we had only been dating for a couple of months when we got engaged. And then we were just engaged for four months before we got married. Like, we weren't even together for a year before we got married. And so there were a lot of things that we were saying that maybe we rushed into it. Maybe we went before our God. Maybe we went before our parents. And you question yourself and you question your decision making. But then but then better days come. And then you're just like, no, it's we're on the right track. We're on the right path. Okay, hindi ko na nga awayin asawa ko ngayon. Dahil sinabi mo lang. <laughs> And you know, there were times now you couldn't get out of the unit. You quarantined mm. before. We couldn't get out of the unit. So our dog was also agitated. I was agitated. Yeah. He was yeah. agitated. There were no tissue papers in the grocery. <laughs> <sighs> what a year. Yeah. I, I know a few other people who had to go through their first year of marriage in lockdown. And <laughs> I think most of them have unanimously said that it was quite the experience, but it was also it was also fruitful in, in that sense. I mean, learned a lot about each other. You know, you've been a very you've been a staunch advocate really of uh mental health, of mental health concerns. Uh, you've been very vocal. You've mentioned it already throughout this conversation, suffering from clinical anxiety and depression. But I have to ask, do you think that the situation of mental health, tackling that, is worse for women? Because, because we are women. We're subject to all of this judgment and policing by society. What are yeah. your thoughts on that? My goodness, even like, you should smile more. I hate that. You know, I've I've been con- constantly told that I have a resting face. RBF. Yes, I have an RBF. <laughs> I made fun of it. Na lang. It's my resting ano face. Ano? 
Parang ganun yung lumukha ko palagi. But yeah, it's it's harder. And you also, you know, and this pregnancy made me even more aware of the disparity between the experiences of men and women in mental health and in society. Like, you guys don't know how difficult it is to be pregnant and working and being a, a, a wife, taking care of a household, you know, and, and they just expect you to do that. Like, my husband, God bless him, he is the most masipag person I know. Like, he washes the dishes and cleans out the garbage without you even saying. But even he expects it, that I can handle that. I can handle being pregnant and working and taking care of the household and, you know, still having a social life and all of these things. And it's and it's crazy, especially when it comes to mental health, because there are just so many expectations. There's so much expectations for women. And pair that with struggles with mental health, it becomes so much worse, you know? And I think the most difficult part about being someone who grapples with their mental health a lot and being a woman is that when you grapple with mental health and you're a woman, people automatically think that, ah, you're weak. Ah, kawawa naman to. Ah, you're incapable. You're not strong enough. You know, she's just not mentally strong because she's a woman. Like if if you were a man and you had mental health struggles, I don't think someone will go to you like, oh, he's just not strong enough. I'm not trying to deduce anybody's experience of it, but I've seldom do I see that. Like it's it's always like that. Um, and it's and it and it's tough. It really is tough. I'm sure I don't want to 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 say here that men have it better of course that's not true they do have it really really difficult as well especially when it comes to mental health it it doesn't choose anybody you know it doesn't wala siyang sinisino nobody nobody really can um can deal with it better than somebody else and i think we we all need to be better at dealing with it as a society and encouraging other people about it so thank you so much for sharing all of this wisdom and all of these very important points and issues that that you've brought up here i mean this is a very valuable conversation and we'd like to thank you wholeheartedly for being on what glass ceiling Thanks, Lee. I really, really appreciate it. I had a, I had a great time talking about these things. And this is honestly the first time that I'm talking about motherhood and yeah. and my my marriage. So it's it's been fun. It's been a fun experience for me. Para siyang exploring my own thoughts and experiences Uh-oh. that I've never had before. <laughs> the thing is. All of these things that you're going through right now are things that other women are also going through. And not everyone has the privilege, right, of having a very strong support system or, or knowing that that others are going through the same thing. So thank you so much for sharing all of your experiences and your thoughts. Thanks, Leah. Appreciate it. <laughs> 